Hi, my name is Eric, and as long as I can remember, I've loved horror. Horror movies, horror novels, horror comics. My life's milestones can be measured by the genre. It's given me years of entertainment, as well as countless sleepless nights. It has kept me young at heart and filled my mind with wonderful memories that I cherish. This podcast is my way of sharing those moments with you. So, starting with my birth year of 1971, I'll be listing my top horror films of every year of my life and discussing each one in detail with a little help from my friends. Join us as we journey from the cradle to the grave. Welcome to Cradle to the Grave. I am your host, Eric, and this is one of those On the Brink of Horror episodes where we chat about a film that walks the tightrope between horror and not horror, but probably horror. And returning to the show to discuss this pick with me is Cradle to the Grave's On the Brink of Horror expert, Chip Conrad. I always have a good time talking with Chip when he comes on the show. And this episode is no exception. So, I hope you dig our chat about... High Plains Drifter. We're talking about hiring a gunfighter. I still say we're asking for trouble. Fellow like that, what do we know about him? Who is he? Where's he come from? Well, you've got our permission to go and ask him. What did you say your name was again? I didn't. No, I guess you didn't at that, did you? Yeah, I don't know as if I really like this town that much. Well, this is a God-fearing town. These God-fearing people. You're a man who makes people afraid, and that's dangerous. Well, it's what people know about themselves inside that makes them afraid. you're thinking Do you? Have, I, have i been on cradle to the grave four times or only three <laughs> well to tell you the truth and all the excitement i kind of lost track myself how the hell are you punk <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, you, you cannot do that through the whole thing. No, I was I contemplated doing the Eastwood impersonation through the whole chat, but my throat probably would would give out. Oh, and oh that was your Eastwood. I thought that was your Batman. <laughs> I'm not. I wasn't sure. Well, either one, either one works. Um, I've got the squinty eyes, though. I actually have the. I can do this. Give me a, give me an Eastwood impersonation real quick, dude. Come on. Do you feel lucky, punk? 
Mm, that sounds just like my impersonation. Oh, no, it's way better. <laughs> it's uh, immensely more talented at the Eastwood than you are. Oh, man. Anyway, dude, uh, Chip on the Brink, Conrad, you're back again <laughs> for another On the Brink of Horror. How are you doing, dude? I'm well, but can we can we start this off right mm, by please. mentioning your book? Because I have it and I'm I've oh, worked my way yeah. almost through it. And uh, I did I, people I did not pay Chip to talk about my book. This is this is total surprise to me. No, just I want to, he just want to no throw idea. that out there. <laughs> well, because well, I'm I'm thinking you don't mention it that much. I don't. It got and, mentioned and so I'm once. Reading the, I'm reading the damn thing. And I'm like, this is good. Plus, you're already on to another one. <laughs> Plus, you're doing this podcast. I have no idea how you have any other life. Like, do you ever see I your know. wife? I mean, what? <laughs> so, I know. I know, man. It's crazy. I, it, it's crazy. And and I mean, she's immensely talented too. Between mm. the two of you, you're gonna like uh, uh, take over the art world somehow. But well, maybe, um, maybe. But it's um, a, it's it's a it's a great book. And if there's a thank there's you. just to mention it real quick, I haven't gotten all the way through. But what I'm noticing is a Stephen King vibe of mm, of yes. the let's get you almost let's get you into the characters to the point where you just want to hang out with them because. Because one thing Stephen King did a lot in, in his in his books and some of his books is he gave you a lot of certain characters to relate to, mm-hmm. and then he just threw some wild crap at you. And so I know the wild crap is coming. I haven't got to that part it of the book yet, but right coming. now it's coming. I'm reading. I'm reading the the whole. Okay, this is actually this could be me and Eric hanging out when we're twelve yeah. years old. I mean, Dude, I'm really glad that you you, uh, you said that, man. Because yeah, Stephen King it. Um, you know, I mean, I grew up reading his novels, and so his style of writing definitely influenced mine. I, I, I'm trying, you know, when as I was writing the story, I'm, I was like trying to make a conscious decision not to copy Stephen King too much, but it, it's inevitable. It just, it's going to come out. It's and just, the, in, it's just in, in atmosphere and how you, yeah, create a relatability to the characters. That's that, that that's important. Well, I appreciate Cause, that. Because in, in a lot of Stephen King, you're like, I like this person. I want to hang out with this person. Mm-hmm. Or, or or I like this person because I well, was this person. And what that's my, what this yeah, book is doing. One of my favorite Stephen King novels is Salem's Lot. I think mm-hmm. I think it's probably my favorite. And the thing with Salem's Lot, it's a slow burn. Like the vampires don't show up until almost half the way, halfway through the novel. Right. You know, so in the beginning, you're getting to know the characters mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you're living with them in this town and you're seeing the day-to-day life of these characters. So by the time the fucking horror shows up, it's even more horrifying because you care about these people right exactly you know and, and, and so and so that really right informed my the novel death machine i wrote is i it, it's basically an autobiography by the way i mean that, oh this that. is you i sent you all over this thing <laughs> because because it's also me i did the same exact type of thing when i was when I, i'm i'm a little bit older than you but we went through the same time period in the same movies mm-hmm. on the same stations sure. and, and it was yeah. very similar your your marysville for a small period of life was my Stockton, California. Mm, so not yep. far from each other, same exact levy systems and the same exact yeah. town structures. So you picture it, you people. can picture it. Yeah. Oh, one hundred percent. Yeah. Dude, that's awesome. Um, well, I'm glad I'm glad that you're digging the novel, man. Thank you for the pl- the plug. That's I appreciate that. Um, yeah. so and people listening, if you want to buy the novel, it's called Death Machine. It's on Amazon. Go get it. It's only fifteen bucks, or you can buy it for me directly and I'll sign that shit for you. What's really cool, by the way, is the spine is upside down. 
I know. <laughs> There's a couple of typos. This is uh, the first edition. So if you have the first edition, <laughs> it's a collector's item. It's going to be worth money. Uh, the second edition is going to come out soon where I fix a couple of typos and the the spine is going to be flipped back um, the no, right no, no, way. No. Keep, keep but... it that way because it'll stand out <laughs> in a bookcase. But I love it the, does, the, it does. the the cover is actually awesome. It's a nice matte black cover and it looks oh, super. Yeah, I've gotten a lot of compliments on, on the the cover and how like it's it's a very simple cover but it's eye-catching like i was uh you know i was saying telling my wife that you know if i'm walking through barnes and nobles and i turn and i see death machine i'm buying that shit i mean just on on cover alone yeah that would be an (laughs) album i would have bought like it looks like an album cover i would buy in 1986 well cool man well we didn't come here to talk about my uh book but we did come here to talk about westerns i want to get your thoughts on the western the genre of westerns how do you feel about uh westerns man well it's interesting that you bring up western on a horror podcast because the movie we're ultimately talking about today is a western but it i you know spoiler alert it's a ghost story Mm -hmm. and it it, and so does that constitute it as a horror movie? I don't, I don't know. Yeah, I see you can make a case for it, but mm-hmm. um, there's, there's the Western. I think the Western can be split up into two genres. There's the John Wayne Western and the Clint Eastwood Western. And they never worked mm. together because John Wayne did not like the Westerns that Clint Eastwood made. This for is a true. very specific reason. He always thought, John Wayne always thought that Westerns should be very black and white. Good guy, bad guy. Mm-hmm. And Clint Eastwood's like, well, no, I want to present you with uh, a hero that might not be a hero at all. You know, a good guy that's probably not very good at all. In fact, if you take the good guys and bad guys in a Clint Eastwood movie and put them on a Venn diagram, there's just going to be this giant gray area in the, in the middle of, of moralesness. And so uh, that's a very different type of movie than a lot of us grew up with Western wise. You know, if mm-hmm. we're used to the John Wayne Western, um, we're going to think that we need that that antithetical theme of good versus bad, and so many of the uh, the, the you know the man with no name the the Clint Eastwood stuff is like, yeah, I'm going to turn that on its head and make you <laughs> think about some things. Mm-hmm. And so, if you like westerns, you might not like Clint Eastwood westerns. And if you like Clint Eastwood westerns, that doesn't necessarily mean you like westerns. So it's it's kind of an a, it's a tricky, tricky gray subject area. It is. It is. I mean, I like I like some John Wayne. I thought I like the searchers. I mean, it, it is a little problematic in, in 2022 eyes, you know, with the mm-hmm. depictions of uh, the Native Americans and stuff. But I mean, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's a beautiful movie, uh, like cinema, like the cinematography. It's it's a gorgeous movie. And there's a couple other John Wayne films that, you know, Rio Bravo um but i'm definitely an eastwood guy when it comes to Mm -hmm. westerns uh i remember i remember i went on this like when i worked at a video store i went on this huge eastwood western binge and just rented all his westerns and um fell in love with with eastwood and and fell pretty much fell in love with the the genre of westerns before that you know eh, i can take or leave a western but um and then unforgiven which i mean i think Mm. i think that's the final word on the western i don't know if there's ever been a movie after unforgiven that 
pretty much you know closed the door on the western like after that where can you go uh, i don't well, know it was, that's <laughs> another classic example of is there a good guy bad guy or is there a mm. weird gray area going on it's all gray area dude you know i mean he personified the gray area in that movie it's like he took everything he did for all those years before and went okay here's my pinnacle Ooh. yeah there's a scene at the end of this movie high plains drifter um, that we're going to talk about in a second uh, that really reminded me of the end of Unforgiven. Um, it, it all tied together beautifully. Um, but yeah, this well, that's, is a... that's actually sort of a Clint Eastwood theme. It's mm. almost like you could mix and match so many par- parts of all the movies. It's the same. You really can. Kind of, it's, I mean, basically it is the man with no name in almost all the movies and you can mix and match <laughs> the true. characters in the scenes. And, and it's sort of, you could put them in like its own cinematic universe and be just fine. Yeah. Um, yeah. High Plains Drifter uh, came out in 73. And let me read the synopsis real quick for the film. A stranger, Clint Eastwood, rides into the dusty mining town of Lago, where the townspeople are living in the shadow of a dark secret. After a shootout, leaves the town's hired gun, protectors dead. The town's leaders petition the stranger to stay and protect them from three ruthless outlaws who are soon to be released from prison. The three have their sights set on returning to Lago to wreak havoc and take care of some unfinished business. A series of events soon has the townspeople questioning whether siding with the stranger was a wise idea, as they quickly learn the price that they must each pay for his services. As the outlaws make their way back to Lago, they discover that the town is not exactly as they had left it. And waiting in the shadows is the stranger, ready to expose the town's secret and serve up his own brand of justice. So this film was directed by Clint Eastwood. Mm-hmm. And the this second is his one, think, second, second film that he ever directed. It's basically it's... Blazing Saddles. <laughs> basically. Without the, <laughs> without the fart jokes. Um, right. <laughs> his first movie he directed was 1971's play Misty for Me. And that is really his own only other horror genre film if you want to call this movie a horror um the movie stars verna bloom jeffrey lewis and of course clint eastwood as the stranger so hey chip what did you think of high plains drifter this was an interesting film i'd never seen it before and so uh got around to watching it finally and (laughs) (laughs) okay so Mm afterwards while talking about it to people um and it it, it's it it started making more sense and it sounded better when i was talking about it like (laughs) on paper this movie is an awesome idea i didn't like it while i was watching it though really i just i I really didn't i I almost didn't make it through and there's Mm. there's a few big reasons for that one big one is there's nobody likable and I really mm. latch on to movies where there's somebody likable. <clears throat> and so I couldn't like anybody in it. And <laughs> um, I, everybody was pretty much shit. And I thought, okay, I don't care if everybody dies in this one. Um, and so that was, it was tough to watch. There were some scenes that were just annoying or, or just uh, kind of brutal and I didn't like them. And, mm-hmm. But afterwards I started thinking about it and talking about it. And I'm like, it's a brilliant concept. Mm. Like, it it could it could work it just didn't necessarily work for me i hear you i hear you um i i like the film but i can see where you're coming from uh everybody in this film is despicable 
<laughs> I mean, there might be two characters who have some redeeming qualities, but even then, they, they do some things that you're like, well, why are they putting up with this? Or why are they condoning these other people's actions? Why don't they speak up more or whatever? But um, but yeah, I mean, Eastwood is there to to fuck shit up. He, he yeah. is not there to play nice. Uh, he rapes and murders and doesn't give a shit. Within the first five minutes, of, well, <laughs> yeah. 10 minutes of the film, the first seven minutes, nothing happens. He just rides a horse. But then <laughs> rapes and murders, rapes and murders. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but what's interesting is, it, again, afterwards, when I started thinking about it and thinking about the actual point of it, and I'm, I'm sure we're going to spoil it for some people. Yes, but please. He's, he's this supposedly you know it's not stated but it's implied that he's the spirit of the former sheriff who the entire town watched be killed they right. watched him murdered by these bad guys and so he comes back to the town they don't know that he's this manifested of the, the manifestation of the spirit of the former sheriff who they all watched died he ends up seeming like a badass to some of them and they need help because these three guys are coming to terrorize the town the three guys mm -hmm. I, I think who were the ones who murdered him if i remember correctly yes so he ends up being asked to save the town that he's also trying to get revenge on so he right. does this fantastic thing where he gets revenge on everybody the oh, yeah. town and nobody the three escapes. people nobody escapes but nobody is quite the wiser as to what the hell's going on and he ends up fucking everything up. So again, on paper, it sounds marvelous. I just didn't necessarily enjoy some of the the way it was portrayed. Uh, do you wish that Eastwood was a more likable like spirit? Of yeah, vengeance, I, I think or? I think I'm I'm part of the uh, modern zeitgeist of of, of wanting the antihero, mm -hmm. and he's not an antihero. He's just a shitty person doing yeah, shitty like, things. I, when I was watching the film, uh, I was reminded of The Crow. Brandon Lee movie. Yeah. There you go. Where very similar. It's a spirit of vengeance movie where the, you know, Brandon Lee's character comes back from the dead to get vengeance on the people who killed his wife. And in the crow, you you love Brandon Lee. Like mm. you're rooting for him and you you want you don't want him to go. In this movie, you're like, I hate Clint Eastwood. Yeah. <laughs> He's an asshole. He's a rapist. Yeah. And you're you're okay when he disappears into the desert at the end, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it yep. it is it, it's it's a it's a rough movie to watch in some parts, but it's also I don't know, it was beautifully shot. I love the location. Oh, Mono Lake. Like yeah. back in the day when Mono Lake had some water in it. Um it's <laughs> a stunning location. It was really I mean, and how and they built that town specifically for the movie. Yeah. That was great. Yeah. And the music, I think, the music, was so the music cool. sells this movie as a horror yeah. film. For me, it cements the whole deal. I mean, to say it's a horror movie, it's it's stretching it. It's on the brink of horror, obviously, sure, sure. but um, it, it's supernatural uh, because of this score, which just uh, it gives the whole film this surreal, haunting vibe to it. Um, it, it sort of bounces between the the cliche, almost spaghetti western style. And yet some actual horror music stylings. It's a beautiful mix of Western and scary music thrown in together. Yeah. And, and yeah. some of it, like when he's riding his horse through the town in the beginning, um, it's just this loop and it's this rhythmic loop. And it's kind of, it's kind of haunting. 
but mm-hmm. I'm trying to count it. You know, I'm a drummer. I'm trying to count it. I'm like, mm-hmm. what the hell time signature is it? It's like this 11-4 <laughs> time signature or something. Or, you know, something that I'm like, oh, that's so odd. It's it's this, yeah. and, it's, and it stands out without standing out. It's so in the background, adding atmosphere, but it 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 absolutely adds to the scene. Yeah, the guy who did the the music, his name is D Barton. And I believe he was like a, a jazz musician because, you know, Eastwood loved jazz. Yeah, so uh, I believe he played the piano himself. And so this this guy, D. Barton, he I think he scored a couple other um, of Eastwood films. But this this score is like un, unlike anything he, he did before or since. Um, and it really stood out to me and really brought the movie home. And um, yeah, yeah. And I've heard interviews with with Eastwood, how he. You know, people ask him, so was the stranger a ghost? Was it the ghost of uh of Marshall Duncan? And East was like, Well, oh wait, let me do my Eastburn impersonation. Well, right. well, well, it it might have been his brother. <laughs> so there's and, and that was one of the original ideas, but yeah. but, but I, I heard that in his mind he's like, No, we gotta make it the spirit of him. Mm. Because um the brother thing doesn't make sense because you know, at the very last scene, they say, I don't know your name. And he says, yes, you yeah. do. He says, yes, they, you do. And what do they do? They zoom in on the, on the, on <laughs> yeah. the, the it, cemetery. It's There's the spirit the, of Jim Duncan of the, Mar- was his, was his name Jim Duncan? The Marshall. I think so. um, yeah. And which was played by Eastwood's um, stunt double, stunt buddy, double. buddy Van Horn. Yeah. Uh, and during the film, I was like looking, I was like, is, yeah. is that Eastwood? Like he and looks that, just like him. So. And that was the whole point apparently of using him <laughs> yeah. to get us to question that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool, 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 man. Uh, so we got two things to handle. First, I'm mm. going to read uh, the 1973 New York Times review by Vincent Camby. He said that uh, Callie Travers, played by Marina Hill, is indignant, having so successfully caught the eye of the stranger, played by Clint Eastwood, that he has carried her into the stable and had his way with her, with her cooperation. She complains to the sheriff. Is it forcible rape in broad daylight still a misdemeanor in this town? It is not, and has not been for some time, not since the good citizens of the little frontier community of Lago banded together to murder their former sheriff and honorable an honorable man who had wanted to reveal that the town's mining company was on government land. High Plains Drifter, with Eastwood as director as well as star, is part ghost story, part revenge western, more than a little silly and often quite entertaining in a way that may make you wonder if you have lost your good sense. The violence in the film, including a couple of murders by bullwhipping, is continual and explicit. It exalts and delights in a kind of pitless Old Testament wrath. However, it is also apparent that neither Ernest Tidyman, who wrote the screenplay, nor Eastwood are taking themselves too seriously. Eastwood's characterization of The Stranger who settles God's score with Lago, is a high parody of the soft-featured, brutal man with no name he played in those bitter Sergio Leone westerns. Tidyman's dialogue is funny, and the physical setting, some weather-beaten shacks on the edge of a body of water that looks like a dead sea, is startlingly beautiful. So that's uh, that's some good and bad from Vincent Camby. Um, any final words real quick on High Plains actually... Drifter? I would actually say going into the film, go ahead and spoil it first. Learn what it's about, mm-hmm. and you'll actually enjoy it more. Because I agree. In thinking in thinking about it afterwards, I want to go back and maybe see it again. But 
not yeah. knowing not knowing what is actually going on and what's the, what the story is while I'm watching it made it very uncomfortable. It's much yeah. less uncomfortable if you hear <laughs> everybody from the very beginning. True, true, true. True, true, true. All right, man. And so last but not least, uh, I wanted to rate Eastwood's coolness. Um, <laughs> so I have I picked seven movies, westerns, that Eastwood starred in. And I want to go through starting with the least coolness to the most coolness that Eastwood looked in these Westerns. Uh, so I sent you a bunch of uh, photos and what do you have for the least coolest that Eastwood has looked in a Western? Number seven, number seven, you have Joe kid. Yeah. Oh, I have outlaw Josie Wells. That's, as, that's probably my next one. Yeah. Uh, as number seven. Uh, what do you got for number six? That yeah, I'll, the, I'll go Josie Wales for six. There you go. So we're, we're, we're close. For number six, I had Pell Ryder. Okay. Okay. All right. Uh, number five, what do you got? Well, this one's tough because I, it could go either <laughs> way. Like I could put it much higher, but I think I'm going to keep it down here and that's uh, Hang em High. I got Hang em High number five too. Nice. Okay. Number four, I got Joe Kidd. What did you have for four? Four would be, yeah, this one was tough, but. Because honestly, four through one could be the same thing. I, mm. I think they're interchangeable. Mm. Uh, I think I'll go uh, uh, fistful of dollars. What? I know. See, that's the thing. <laughs> Wait a second. Well, okay. All right. I also think the other ones are pretty good. Pretty damn mm. cool. Okay. So the top three of the best that Eastwood has looked in a Western. Number three, I have good, the bad, and the ugly. Okay. What do you got um, for three? I might go high plains drifter on that one. Mm. But again, I'm going to say they're kind of interchangeable at this point. Yeah, well, the good, good and bad, the ugly, and well, the 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 Leon trilogy, he he's kind of has the same outfit through yeah. all through those films. But right. in Good, the Bad, the Ugly, he doesn't get the um, poncho until like almost the end of the film. Uh, that's true. Uh, before that, he has a, kind of a crappy outfit. So <laughs> that's kind of why I, I set it at number three. What about number two? What do you got? Oh, that's the, you know, two and one could be this either one. So, mm. um, you got to you got to pick. I got to pick. You have to pick. Choose wisely. And you know, it's funny because <laughs> now, now I want to put fistful of dollars back up there. I told you. Yeah. I'm just gonna. I'm going before <laughs> you, dude. I go. I'm going. Number two, High Plains Drifter. This was a tough one for me because I love his look in High Plains Drifter. Yeah. I love the duster. Like yeah. it's a it's a badass look. Um, but I'm going number two, High Plains, and number one, Fistful of Dollars. Yeah, okay. Okay. I, and I don't think you could make a wrong choice there. Yeah. It, um, yeah. What do you got I for say this about about High Plains though? Mm. At one point he doesn't he doesn't have any jacket. He's just got that beautiful gray shirt. Mm -hmm. That shirt is so nice. I want that shirt. It's <laughs> so good. So are you are you putting high planes at one or two? You know, I, I don't know. I, now that I'm thinking about the shirt, I think I might bump it up to number one. <laughs> there you go. I it, For me, it's that poncho that he wears in yeah, Fistful and, and in Good Bag and for a few dollars more. Not uh, that's guy, iconic. Very few white people can make a poncho look cool. And, <laughs> this uh, is true. Yeah, he, this is true. He, he nails it. <laughs> he, pull, he pulls it off. Yeah. Well, cool, man. Thanks again, Chip, for coming and uh, doing another On the Brink of Horror with me. Always a pleasure. Anytime.